The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome once again, Disability Law Show. John Scholes, Savannah Samarkin is here answering all of the questions and emails. That, by the way, to reach out, help at disabilityrights.ca. The website is disabilityrights.ca too. That is where you'll find links to our long-running TV show, which is simply awesome. If you haven't catched that uh, 30-minute show on TV, you really should. And there's any time you want to uh, reach out for uh, questions and quick answers about LTD, you can do that. There's a resource for you called MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Searchable database, best part right there. You can look for your question even before you ask it and see if it has already been answered and uh, in depth. And if not, leave it there and uh, someone from the firm will get to it really quickly. And if it has been answered, read the answer and see if it... uh, Checks all the boxes. So we're going to get into this. Got a bunch of emails to get through in just a bit, Savan. But the week that was, I knew you got a few uh, a few things you want to talk about, pal. What's up today? Yeah, John, uh, a lot of questions this week from, again, people from across the country because they know that we do disability law and employment law. Uh, and, you know, just this past week... We had two of our top lawyers do an in-house seminar for the rest of our lawyer group about the interaction of long-term disability law and employment law. And, and it's a, it's, it's, this is a seminar that we hold in our firm, uh, usually about twice a year to make sure that the employment lawyers understand, um, the issues on the LTD side and the LTD lawyers knows, you know, they know the issues on the employment side. And I always tell people this is absolutely crucial when you're dealing with a long-term disability claim because to the extent you're going to have any issues or have issues with your current employer you need someone in your in your corner on your side that understands those areas of law because if they don't trust me when i tell you you could end up in trouble you cannot up in a situation where you get a severance from your employer only for that to get eaten up by your ltd yeah. insurer so again there are a lot of nuances to this so let me read to you a question that came this week which was exactly on point from Lena in Toronto. And she posted this on mydisabilityquestions.com. Of course, that's the website that we have. We've had for years now, John, and I'm the one who answers these questions literally each and every day for free. Uh, People post their questions about long-term disability. So here's what Lena writes. She says, I've been on LTD for five years and I'm due back at work. My doctor has written a modification letter. So a letter that says that she can go back with modifications to her job. I'm working with a company provided by my insurance company and they said that my employer will not accept it, i.e. accept the modifications from the doctor, and that I would probably not get any severance. They said that my options are to go back to the job as is or find new employment. Can they do that? So, you know, John, I'm always hesitant to to venture into employment law because, of course, that's what you and Lior, my partner, talk about on the employment law show. But you know, we do have to talk about this because it's in the context of LTD. So number one, people need to understand that if your employer, uh, you know, is asked to accommodate your disability, your condition, you have a letter from your doctor or whoever's treating you saying, this is the type of modification and modifications, um, you know, the provisions that need to be made for the individual to go back, the employer has an obligation to accommodate up to a certain point. Uh, but, you know, generally speaking, an employer cannot simply take the position, there is no accommodation. I mean, that's going to be a, a big problem for the employer. So that's number one here for Lena to know that her employer, and I don't know if it's a small company or a big company, but whatever, 
the employer has an obligation to at least try to accommodate this employee, number one. Number two, if the person is let go from their job, the employer does have to pay severance. It's just that yep. simple. Uh, and in addition to that, you know, many employers don't understand, and I'm talking not just about the mom and pop shops, I'm talking about the big banks, you know, huge insurance, uh, huge companies that don't understand sometimes that when they let someone go who is disabled or on disability, they are opening themselves up to a human rights claim. So that means that you, if you are a disabled individual and you've been let go from your job, guess what? You have not only a claim potentially for severance against the employer, but also for human rights damages. And again, that's absolutely crucial because if you are on disability and you get severance from your employer, your insurance company may take the position that they're owed that severance so that you cannot get LTD and severance at the same time. Okay. Again, there's ways to work around that. And this is why I tell people, contact me and I can give you this information if you're in that position. So, you know, when Lena asks here, uh, they said my options are to go back to the job as is or find new employment. Can they do that? No, they cannot. Your employer cannot do that. And if they do that, you have recourse against them. Now, there is something else that she's not asking here that I want to talk about. There are many cases, John, where people contact me because they've been on LTD for a few months, a few years, and they are ready to go back or try to go back. So they get that medical clearance from the doctor. And then, of course, they ask, well, what do I do if I try to go back to work, but I'm not ready, meaning that I think I'm ready, but in reality, after I try, I find out that I'm not, right? I fail at my return to work. I have to go back on LTD. Anyone that has been on LTD knows that when you apply for LTD and you get accepted, there is a certain period of time called the elimination period. It's a period of time, typically it's 90 days, sometimes it's longer than that, where for that time period, you have to remain disabled in order to get LTD at some point, uh, but you do not get LTD for that period of time. It's almost like a deductible, a time deductible. And so what people are concerned with is when, when they're on LTD and then they try to go back to work, they're concerned that what happens if I fail in my return to work attempt? Do I have to again wait that elimination period that, you know, for several months to get nothing? And the answer is no, so long as you try to go back on LTD within a certain period of time specified in your policy. So just to break it down for people, if you're in a position where you've tried to go back to work um, after being on LTD or you're thinking about trying to go back, look in your LTD insurance contract. There should be a provision called a recurrence clause or something to that effect that specifically talks about how long do you have once you try to go back to work to go back on LTD. Typically, it's about six months. So within about six months, again, depending on the policy, of you trying to go back to work, if you're not successful, you should be able to go back on LTD without having the elimination, without, without waiting the elimination period, without waiting for several months to get your check, uh, you know, to have the payments restart from your insurance company. The issue is that despite everything I've said, many insurance companies end up rejecting these uh, claimants who say, listen, I tried to go back to work and I haven't been successful. I need to go back on LTD. And I tell people, if you're in that situation, give me a call immediately. Do not wait. If you try to go back to work and you've been unsuccessful and your doctors have a record of your attempt and they agree that you need to go back on LTD and the insurer doesn't agree, 
give me a shout, okay? I will explain to you your options. The reality is the insurance company is likely wrong and you have recourse, you have options, and we can help you enforce those. And it wasn't, you know, to the case where, you know, someone was coming off LTD and they had to have some modifications at work and the employer said they simply wouldn't do it. I mean, isn't it, uh, I mean, the term I think is to undo hardship. They have to go to a certain point to accommodate uh, an employee. When they come back, unless it's deemed so impossible that they can't, they can't make it happen, right? Absolutely. And I love having you on, John, because I don't need Lior for this, right? I mean, <laughs> you've done the show so long with him, you know pretty much these concepts, exactly. Yeah. An employer has to try and accommodate you up to the point of undue hardship on their end. And, and that, from my understanding from Lior and the other employment lawyers in my firm, that's a pretty high bar for, for yeah. a company, particularly the bigger they are, to say that they cannot accommodate you. That That's a big, big thing for them to say. And oftentimes they're wrong when they say we can't accommodate you. Oftentimes the reality is that they can accommodate you. It's just not ultimately convenient for them to do so. Well, guess what? This person is disabled. Disability is protected under the Human Rights Code in jurisdictions across the country, across Canada, employers must accommodate, especially the larger employers. Uh, and either way, listen, if you have an issue with your employer, you have an issue with your insurance company, this is what we're here for. We are lawyers and we're very, you know, we're very uh, uh, generous with our time in terms of answering these kinds of questions. Uh, and, you know, we give this free legal advice uh, literally each and every week. And, and frankly, John, yesterday I spoke with three different individuals, just yesterday, uh, uh, you know, from, from, from Ontario, BC, and Alberta, where we have our offices, each person with different issues. And I spent, in, in one uh, scenario, half an hour, another one I spent an hour and a half, and the other one was about 45 minutes, just answering their questions about their specific situations. Do you think they got an invoice from me? Do you think they got a bill from me? They got nothing. Nothing. In fact, one of them insisted on paying me for my time. I said, no. I said, we are here to give this information. If at some point in the future you need us, well, you know where to come. We'll take care of you. Okay. We only get paid when we're dealing with disability cases. At the end, only if the insurance company ends up paying you, that's when we get paid. It's a percentage of whatever we can recover for you. But you're paying absolutely nothing up front. And if I can give you this information now uh, and ease your mind, uh, explain the process to you. You know, knowledge is power, but it's not only power. Knowledge is comfort, right? The more yeah. comfort I can give someone by giving them this information, uh, the, you know, the, the, the better it is. And, and l l let me just say one more thing before we go into break. I spoke with a gentleman yesterday, 63-year-old gentleman who's being represented by another lawyer, another law firm. I don't know who that law firm is. This is in respect of their long-term disability case. But John, it, it was crazy to me. He was cut off LTD two years ago. He has a case, 100% based on what he told me, he has a case against the insurance company. To me, it seems like the lawyer he hired doesn't know what he's doing. And the first red flag I had is that I, I, he's, he's one of the people I spoke with for 45 minutes. Uh, he told me after that conversation that everything now made sense to him. He doesn't understand why for the past year his lawyer hasn't actually explained the process the way I had, hasn't explained how to value a long-term disability claim, hasn't understood, you know, didn't know anything. And it's not his fault. He's not a lawyer. I blame the lawyer squarely, the lawyer he hired. And I blame every lawyer out there who does not take the time to literally go through the process with their clients and not in legalistic terms. I hate it when my wife, who's an accountant, speaks to me in accounting terms or, or you know, my brother, who's a doctor, speaks to me in medical terms. I hate it. I don't understand any of it.
Just break it down for me. And, and that's the way I approach people as well. We're talking about concepts that may have very, you know, may, may be very technical, but ultimately the concepts themselves are not actually overly difficult to understand. And and when people speak with me, that's what I try to, to explain. I try to put their mind at ease. And at the end of the day, in almost every scenario that I deal with, there is a menu of options that I give someone. Now, I may tell you, I think you should choose option three versus option one. Sure. It's your choice at the end. But as long as you know what the menu of options uh, is, as long as you understand the pros and cons of each option, I've done my job. Now it's your job to decide how you want to proceed. Lots more to go here. We'll take a short break and get into it. Uh, emails, by the way, which we're going to uh, try to get to a little later on. That would be help at disabilityrights.ca. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The website is disabilityrights.ca. Links to our TV show. And I'll give you a phone number anytime you want to reach uh, Savannah or James, Tamar, anyone else in the uh, very capable team, 1-855-821-5900. And again, I'll direct you to mydisabilityquestions.com as well. We'll continue Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. And welcome back. Disability Law Show ready to go. We hope you are uh, as well. You want to reach out anytime. Toll-free number, of course, 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And you have questions about uh, disability law, you want to just ask someone while you're uh, busy on the keyboard, you can do so. Go to mydisabilityquestions.com. Leave it there. And a member of the firm will uh, will get back to you shortly. Okay, pal, where uh, where are we going next? What else you got? Okay, so here's an email that I received, and because it's an email, I'm going to read the email, but I'm not going to uh, uh, you know mention the person's name. Um, so I'll change that and a few of the facts here, just so that the person cannot be identified. Okay. Uh, so this person writes, "Hello, my name is uh, Julian, and I've been trying to get disability for over a year now, and I keep getting denied." Here's the calls notes version. I have an unstable shoulder that dislocated repeatedly. Last year alone, I had 28 hospital visits. I've also developed spasms in my shoulder that no one seems to have answers as to why they're happening. Uh, I'm also under investigation for other conditions that are debilitating for me, uh, and I have been off work uh, for, for a while now. Um, in the last four years, I've also had four surgeries and have been denied twice by my disability insurance company and have been told that I should be able to go back to work. I really do want to go back to work, and that is my goal, but my body is failing. I would love to speak with someone who knows more than I do and find out if I actually qualify. Then he gave me his phone number and says, thank you for your time. So again, not an unusual email, unfortunately. But what do we draw from this? We draw from this that this individual here, Julian, is certainly suffering from quite a few things, uh, whether it's from the dislocated shoulder, from other conditions. Listen, this guy is obviously going through a very rough time. I mean, 28 hospital visits okay. last year. I mean, that tells you something. Four surgeries. And, and, you know, he was denied disability twice. Why? Because the insurance company says you should be able to go back to work. You know, John, we've done these shows before, and we've done, I think, like the top five excuses that insurance companies give for why they deny claims. And the reality is that there are many more than five. Uh, but one of the top ones that they give is that they say to you, or they'll write to you in a denial letter, uh, there's just insufficient medical documentation to prove that you are disabled or to prove that you qualify for total disability under the policy. And people either give up or they try and appeal these decisions. And that's what Julian here has done. He's tried to appeal that denial. And what do I say to people? These denials are useless. 
Because when you appeal a long-term disability denial, or when you're getting LTD and you're told your benefits will be cut off for this reason or another, and you try and appeal it, these appeals generally go nowhere in my experience because you're re-asking the exact same people who denied you or cut you off in the first place. Again, I always give the example of my kid, eight-year-old kid who says, can I have chocolate? And I say, no. And then in half an hour, he comes back and says, can I have chocolate? Well, I'm not going to change my decision. Right? I'm not, it's not going to change. It's no different with an insurance company. Now, can I say that they never change their minds, that these appeals never work? No. I think it would be ludicrous to say that they never work because they do. But as I often say as well, I will never say that people don't win the lottery, right? Because some people right. do. It's just that do you really want to bank your financial future on winning the lottery? Some people are nodding, John. <laughs> I have no doubt. Uh, listen, th that's not a good bet. It's not a safe bet. So then the question is, what is a safe bet? Well, here's a safe bet. When I train people at my firm on long-term disability claims, when somebody joins the firm, a lawyer, an assistant, someone, and they want to understand sort of the basics of it, I said, look, I said, there are many, many facets to long-term disability. It's a very technical subject. But here's what I ask people when they call me. I ask them, what is your disability? And do you have doctors or someone who's treating you who says that because of your disability, you cannot perform the essential tasks of your occupation? Or if you're beyond the two-year mark in the policy, if you've been getting LTD for two years, can you do any other occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? as a result of your disability? If the answer is no, if the doctors are saying you, they agree for the foreseeable future, you cannot do the essential tasks of your occupation or any occupation beyond the two-year mark, well then guess what? You should qualify for LTD. Now sometimes LTD gets denied for other reasons. Maybe you've reached age 65 and your policy only goes to age 65. It is what it is. There's a time limit, there's an age limit. Unfortunately, there's an exception in the human rights code you know, these policies can go to age 65. Uh, sometimes there is a pre-existing condition the person has. Again, oftentimes we can fight those. But when you are told, like Julian here in the email he sent me, that he's been in the hospital 28 times last year, and he has all these conditions, and his doctors basically agree that he cannot work, and the insurance company says, no, we think you should be able to go back, that is a clear-cut case. He was denied, he says, over a year ago. John, I could have resolved this claim by now. Yep. He's mm -hmm. just reaching out to us now. And this is something else, right? Before we broke for the last segment, I mentioned about that gentleman, 63-year-old, who has a lawyer that's representing him. Uh, he was denied two years ago. <sighs> Man, I, I feel bad for him because the reality is I could have resolved his case probably, given the fact of the case, probably within a matter of months, max if he had contacted me when he was first denied. He went to the wrong lawyer. And again, listen, I'm not the only lawyer that deals with disability. We're not the only firm, but we're good at what we do. And we have a reputation. We have a reputation with other lawyers. We have a reputation with employers. We have a reputation with insurance companies. And that is key because reputation, the reputation we have built over the years, the, the arsenal, uh, the, the resources we have that we can muster for every case that we advance against insurance companies is substantial. And if we need to take it all the way, we will, but we don't have to. Okay. Uh, I, I'm preparing uh, a case right now, John, that's been ongoing for a few years. It's not an LTD case. It's a case that we had talked about before. It's my client who was injured at a Walmart because of a fire yeah, extinguisher. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and th this was an interesting case. Long story short, 
you know, we're up against Walmart and I have so many experts lined up right now. And my client was saying, you know, Sivan, like, is this not too much? And I said, too much. I'm literally putting all my tanks and warships on their border. I'm not eager to go to war, but if they want to take us on, we'll, we'll, we'll demolish them. We'll go all the way. And people need to understand that when you're going to a lawyer or a law firm, you need people who understand where you're coming from, uh, who, who will take it all the way if need be. But the reality is these cases, very, very rarely do they go to court. Very rarely. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. So forget about what you see on TV. Okay? Most <laughs> cases do not go to court. It's too expensive for the insurance companies. And frankly, frankly, it's too taxing for my clients. Right, so I try to get the best settlement and deal that I can, but I will take it all the way if I have to. And so, with this individual here, okay, going back to the email from Julian, who's been in the hospital 28 times last year, my heart breaks for someone like that who's clearly disabled, who who doesn't have money coming in, who doesn't know what to do, who was denied over a year ago, and whose case I could have resolved had he reached out to me when he was first denied. And again, I could have resolved it and put money in his pocket months and months ago. So if you're in that situation or you know somebody in that situation, just contact me. I mean, there's no obligation. We're just going to have a talk, whether it's with me or with someone on my team. You're going to talk with someone who has the knowledge, the know-how, and is going to take the time to explain the process to you. So that's my message out there to, uh, to to people, John. And again, across Ontario, across BC, across Alberta, we're now doing it remotely with everyone by phone, WhatsApp, Skype, Zoom, WebEx. You know, everything is remote now. So really, you can be in Windsor, right? You can be in some remote area in BC. We can help you with your case. And it's, uh, it's, it's sometimes get expedited in that regard, too, because you're not, you know, there's no traveling time, booking meeting rooms, so on and so forth. When it's on uh, Zoom or Skype or WebEx, it's, it, it's clean and dirty, man. You get it done. So it's, it's also a benefit to the client, right? Absolutely. It's exactly true. I mean, for us, the key thing is obviously to keep expenses down, but also to, no. uh, you know, get this done as soon as possible. Again, this is something that lawyers don't get or, or they just ignore. When people come to us because they've lost their job or people come to us because they've been denied long-term disability, they are in a financial, uh, you know, uh, bind. It's even worse than that. It's it's oftentimes such a, a, a significant hit to the family, right? Especially when you have somebody who's the main bread earner. I, I can't stress enough how much you know, it's important to advance these cases as fast as possible through the system. And, and the system is clogged, right? I mean, the, especially with COVID, courts are, are backlogged, etc. But there are ways around it. There are ways to push matters forward. And I can't stand it when someone calls me. And after I speak with them for a bit, I realize that the lawyer they hired is not doing anything on their case. To, to me, that is like one of the worst things a lawyer, a lawyer can do is just ignore a case and, and ignore the client and, and the client's predicament uh, for months and months, if not years. The number, one 821 5900 completely toll-free. By the way, to reach out to email is help at disabilityrights.ca and simply the website is disabilityrights.ca as well. Okay, we still got some minutes left before we break. Uh, where do you want to go? Well, so so again, let's go back to the emails that I've been receiving. So I got this email from a 44-year-old uh, gentleman, um, and he's insured with one of the larger insurers in the country for long-term disability. Uh, he has an issue with his arm. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but he, he needs surgery for it. It's quite severe. Um, and, you know, the reason why this uh, 
piqued my interest is because when I asked him why the insurance company cut off or denied his claim, he said that he had used a walking doctor to get a report because he didn't have a family doctor. So this individual doesn't have a family doctor. He's not. He's in a rural area. Uh, so instead, he goes to a walking doctor that he visits actually regularly, and yet the insurance company rejects that medical record. And this is a larger issue where insurance companies either reject uh, the reports that they're being presented with by disabled individuals, or insurance companies simply say that it's just not good enough, or uh, in worst case situations, they'll actually focus on that letter, but they'll cherry pick certain information from that uh, uh, report, and, and what they'll do is they'll essentially spin uh, or manipulate whatever the doctor is saying, uh, put words in his or her mouth, and on that basis reject the claimant's claim. And, you know, John, I can do a whole show just on this topic, and anybody who's been in that situation understands what I'm saying. Here's, you know, here's what this boils down to. If you have a doctor, family doctor, specialist, uh, even if you don't have a doctor and you have somebody treating you like a a psychologist, uh, a physiotherapist, I understand that insurance companies, in their minds, they think if you're a doctor, an MD, that that trumps everything. But the reality is that there are phenomenal psychologists out there. There are phenomenal physiotherapists and chiropractors. You need to provide the medical proof or proof from your health practitioners who are treating you that you are disabled from working. And if you do that, you should get approved for LTD unless your policy specifies something differently. If your policy says we will only accept letters from an MD, well, then that's fine. But it, it, they're entitled to, right? Because it's a contract of insurance. We have to look at the, the contract, the LTD policy. But if it doesn't say that, well, then guess what? You can provide that documentation. Your case may not be as strong, but you still have a case. So if you've been rejected for that reason because the insurance company says, we just don't have enough medical documentation or we don't have medical documentation, or, we don't like what your psychologist says, contact me. Let's have a chat about your case and I'll, I'll review the records and I'll tell you very quickly within minutes if I think that you have a case against the insurance company and if they have to pay you. Okay, more to go, but we've got to take a short break. want to get right back into it uh, super quick. Toll-free, 1-855-821-5900, disabilityrights.ca. And the email address, put help at in front of that, help at disabilityrights.ca. It's a disability law show, and this is Global News Radio. And we are back, disability law show, reaching out to Savannah or James or Tamar, a member of the team. Here's how you do it, simple, toll-free. If you haven't got the number yet, 1-855-821-5900. And disabilityrights.ca. Okay, let's get uh, get right back into it. We still uh, we still have a couple segments to go, pal. Where are you taking us? We do. I have another email, and I'm sorry, John. I know usually we have all these emails coming in, and uh, you know you, you, you want to read some of them, but they're coming directly <laughs> to me, so I'm going to have to read another one. Uh, again, this is an email. It's not posted publicly, so I'm going to change the name here to just sure. uh, protect uh, confidentiality, privacy. Uh, so, so this comes from a gentleman. Um, in uh, in BC. Here's what he writes. I saw your show on television this morning and it has given me some hope. My long-term disability claim, actually, sorry, he's from Ontario. My long-term disability claim with the Ontario Teachers Insurance Plan, OTIP, has been denied. This claim for LTD has been supported by my family doctor, a psychologist, and a psychiatrist. My STD, shortened disability, with my employer, a local school board, will be running out soon, and I will soon be financially strapped unless I retire early and start drawing my pension. Could you let me know if you could take this case on and how much it might cost me? So, 
This is, uh, again, we've dealt with many teachers, incidentally, uh, again, across uh, the provinces. Uh, we have a lot of experience with OTIP. We've resolved claims with OTIP. Um, some of them have been high profile. Actually, they've been in the news and they're on our website, disabilityrights.ca. James Fireman, my colleague, uh, had one of those. Um, I think Global did uh, two or three um, shows on it or, or segments on it because it was so egregious what uh, what happened to this lady there, the teacher. Uh, so here's the thing. This gentleman here says that he has an LTD claim. He's disabled, and he has the back, uh, the backup from his family doctor, uh, his psychologist, and a psychiatrist. So you have two MDs and a psychologist, a PhD. Okay. I mean, to me, I haven't seen the, the reports here, but I'm taking this guy's word for it. If he has these three individuals who are treating him, who are all saying that this person is unable to go back to work at this point in time, and remember, he's been already approved for short-term disability, and typically yeah. the test for short-term disability is very similar, if not identical, to long-term disability. For the insurance company to say no, to decline it, Again, to me, it's like one of those things where they try to just deny your claim, hoping you'll go away, hoping you're not going to check what your rights are, consult a disability lawyer. Well, this gentleman did. He emailed me, and he's going to get the advice that he deserves, and he already got it. Uh, so we can definitely help. And what I would ask to see in his case is I would want to see the, the reports from the family doctor, psychologist, and psychiatrist. I would want to see uh, you know, the, the um, uh, denial letter from the insurance company. And I would like to see the actual policy, although we've seen these OTIP policies before. Again, I just want to make sure that we're dealing with the exact same policy. And I can tell you that just based on the experience I've had with teachers and other lawyers in my office have had with teachers, we can help. We can help. And, and this is a difficult time. I mean, let's just zoom out for a second. Uh, this is COVID times. Just imagine the amount of stress that teachers are under. I mean, they're not the only ones, obviously. Everyone is under stress. You know, first-line first, uh, first line workers, uh, paramedics, uh, yep. doctors, nurses. But teachers are, I mean, all this controversy. Are we opening up the schools? Or are we not? What about the, the you know, COVID breaks, uh, uh, outbreaks in, in this school or that? Just imagine the amount of stress that teachers are under, remote teaching, etc. I have no doubt that we're going to see more and more teachers uh, needing to take time off, needing to be off because of COVID, COVID-related restrictions and everything of, of the sort. And when they apply for disability, shortened disability, long-term disability, if they have doctors or a psychologist, psychotherapist, someone that treats them and that says, this person cannot do the essential tasks of their occupation as a teacher, these insurance companies have an obligation to step up. Remember that insurance companies are in the business of insuring, insuring, right? These insurance companies were paid premiums for this. Right. When you buy house insurance, you are paying for the eventuality that maybe you will need their help if there is a flood or a fire or something happens. If you're paying for car insurance, it's in the event that, God forbid, you have an accident, you're injured, you need your car replaced, whatever. This is what insurance is for. And it makes my blood boil when I hear that insurance companies willy-nilly just deny these claims that on their face are legitimate, legitimate claims. So we can help this individual here. And as to his last question, as to whether or not we can take on the case, 100% we can. I just need to see the documentation to speak with the individual to make sure that everything is as I understand it to be. 
And in terms of what it costs, well, again, it's a percentage of what we recover from the insurer. If we made a mistake in our assessment, okay, and we recover zero for you, guess what? We've done all this work for nothing. So it's really important people to understand you are losing nothing by contacting us and getting information, and you are losing nothing by having us represent you if we tell you you have a claim in terms of the fact that you're not going to have to pay us anything if we are not successful. But John, we are successful. And we handle these claims each and every day, each and every day. And not only that, we've had cases, and I've, I've spoken about this before, especially before the end of the year last year, but even now, where as soon as we get involved and we write a letter to the insurance company, some of these cases get resolved at that point. The insurance company just backs off. They immediately write back or, or pick up the phone. Their lawyer picks up the phone and says, we made a mistake. We should have approved the claim. So, you know, again, we have a certain reputation uh, in the industry with insurance companies, uh, which is why we tell people, listen, if we tell you you have a case, we're pretty confident you have a case. If we tell you you don't have a case, you're free to go to another lawyer and get there a second opinion. Uh, because we're only going to tell you, if you that you have a case if we think you have a case. Uh, but in, the, in this situation here with this gentleman here that has a family doctor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, they're all saying he cannot work and he's a teacher during COVID times. Resolve. I don't know what the insurance company is thinking here. I can tell you right now we can probably resolve his claim fairly quickly. You know, and you've often said, when you, even when you worked on the other side for insurance companies, you talk about reputation. You used to flip to the back page of the claim to see, uh, you know, look at the uh, the law firm representing you and say, okay, we don't need anything. These guys are weak. Or you'd be like, okay, we got some problems here. This is going to... Uh, this is going to be a bit of an issue because it's a very capable firm. So you're, you're kind of in that position now, right? So, You know, this is something we haven't talked about in a while, so I'll just mention it. <clears throat> you're absolutely right. When I worked as a defense lawyer years and years ago, and it's not just me. My colleagues do the same thing. They still do it. When, when they get a claim uh, for disability, for injury, whatever, they flip to the back. Because in the back page of a claim, of a legal claim, it says who the lawyer is. It's representing the claimant. And it says who the law firm is. And I can tell you right now from my own experience that when I reported to insurance companies, my valuation of the claim would depend on two things, on the facts of the case and on who the lawyer or the law firm was on the other side. It's, it's just reality. It's just reality. And we would know who the quote-unquote heavy hitters are. And we would know who the ones who sell their clients out are. No different than real estate. You have some real estate agents who just want to flip houses quickly, right? So they'll tell you to just knock down a hundred grand off the price of your house so you can sell it in a day. And you have those who are considered to be heavy hitters who are going to get you top dollar for your house. It's the same thing with law. Take a couple minutes uh, to go here still, uh, so if you want to reach out, you can. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Use that any time, as a matter of fact, toll-free. The email address is help at disabilityrights.ca as well. We'll continue. A few minutes to go here. Right back. Uh, Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back, Disability Law Show. A few minutes to go, so we'll uh, get right into it. I'll give you the toll-free number again. Have been uh, throughout the hour, one 821 5900 disabilityrights.ca. And for uh, free questions and answers about your LTD, any concerns, mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, man, we're down to our last uh, last few minutes here, so let's let's make it a good one. John, we always joke that uh, you know every show I have all these emails and, and <laughs> all these scenarios to bring up, and we never get to the actual uh, content that we pre-prepare for the show, just because there's just so much activity. So, so let me let me really delve into something here that is probably going to take the rest of the segment, but it's really it's really tragic, 
uh, and we have to take this very seriously. And, and I really want to sort of reach out to this person here. So I'm, again, I'm not going to mention the person's name, but I'm going to read you the email with some modifications. It says, hello, Mr. Tumarkin. I'm not sure how much free legal advice you can offer, but perhaps you can give me some suggestions. So before I go further, let me just say, I'll give as much free legal advice as I possibly can. Okay. That is my MO. <laughs> That's yep. what I do. That's what Lior does and everyone else on my team. Now, here's what he writes. Since 2009, I've been working as a mental health worker. However, in mid-2017, I went on medical leave due to depression, anxiety, and thoughts of committing suicide in front of my coworkers and management. I was being bullied. In 2018, I went on LTD, and this lasted until approximately July or August of 2019. Uh, for a few weeks in May of last year, 2019, I, I began a return-to-work program uh, while I was still under LTD, uh, but it was it, it was ended by the employer. I feel uh, I, I began to feel unwell again, uh, experiencing suicidal ideation. I reapplied for LTD. <clears throat> As part of this application, uh, my case manager at the insurance company referred me to a psychiatrist, an IME, and based on this IME, my application was denied. So now I'm left to collect social assistance. And then he goes on and says a few other things here. Uh, this person is also unionized and the union is not being supportive. <clears throat> he ends up by saying, can you offer any pro bono advice, please? John, this is, again, there's a lot more substance to this, but uh, let me just delve into this right now. I cannot imagine a case as strong as what I am reading here. Uh, a person who is so... Uh, in such a tough spot mentally, has suicidal ideation, uh, you know, has been on LTD, in good faith tried to go back to work, but was unsuccessful. Um, and there's issues with management, obviously. So he's unionized, so the union would have had to deal with this. And I don't know what's happening on that front, but again, if you're a unionized employee, then your union has to help you with your employment matter. But I'm talking here about the LTD component. I'm talking about how the case manager, despite everything this person is going through, all the mental hardships, has decided to send this individual to an IME, a psychiatrist. And for people who have not heard us before, an IME is an independent medical examination. Mm -hmm. These IMEs are anything but independent. They should not be called independent medical examinations. In fact, they should, be called, they should be called dependent medical examinations because the doctors, and they can be the best doctors, by the way, that do these assessments, they are doing a, a job. They are performing this assessment for the insurance company. That's who's paying them. And so in quite a few cases, in fact, the majority of cases I'm aware of, both as a defense lawyer in the past, defense lawyer, and a plaintiff lawyer, I can tell you that these IMEs almost always favor the insurance company. And this is what he writes here. He says, based on this IME report from the psychiatrist, my application to get back on LTD was denied. Insane. This is a case where I would hit the insurance company not only with that legal claim for the benefits this person's owed, but for punitive damages. I would squeeze them. I would want to question that case manager. What made that case manager think that it was appropriate in this case to send this person to an IME? And by the way, they have a right to do so, but that doesn't mean 
that if you have a right to do so as an insurance company, that you need to do it in that particular case. And I want to understand a bit more about the psychiatrist. I want to understand how did this psychiatrist come to the conclusion that this person was not disabled from working when this person clearly is suffering from all these mental health issues. So oftentimes we have these situations, and this is what I want to highlight here. We have people where it is clear as day that they are suffering, whether it's from a physiological illness or injury or psychological or a mixture of the two. Their doctors support them being off work, and yet the insurance company's doctors or assessors instead come back and say, uh, this person is not disabled, we don't believe that they're following treatment recommendations, we don't think their treatments are correct, whatever. And the insurance adjuster or case manager ends up seizing on those points, and on those bases, they deny these claims, these legitimate claims. And I want people to know that there is recourse. And people need to understand that they're a lot stronger than they think that they are. These insurance companies are not above the law. And we prove this each and every day with clients that come to us for help. And and the one thing that I want to tell this individual who wrote me, I've told him that, as well as to other people who are thinking about contacting us. You know, that uh, 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 anxiety you feel every time you speak with your adjuster, you know, that, that concern that you have uh, of getting that denial letter, etc. When we get hired, and we typically get hired when, you know, the person is denied LTD, not before that. But when you're denied, if we get involved, if you hire us, you don't have to speak with the insurance company people again. We are the ones dealing with them. They have to feel that anxiety speaking with us, which they do. I'm just going to say, you know, this independent medical examination, I, I know quickly, is it is it always, quote-unquote, doctors, or is it sometimes medical consultants forever, whatever weight that's supposed to have in the insurance company? Sometimes it's consultants. You're right. Sometimes they're not doctors. And sometimes they are doctors, but they're the wrong doctors, right? I mean, if you're suffering from a psychiatric issue and they send you to an orthopedic surgeon, that's a mistake, right? So, so again, sometimes they'll cut you off on the basis of opinions from people that are not even qualified to give those opinions in your case. So you're absolutely right, John. So again, the message is, if you're in that situation or you know someone in that situation, reach out, reach out, get this information that you need, empower yourself. And trust me, you're going to feel a lot better at least knowing what your options are and whether or not we can help you. We'll tell you. We'll t- and if we can help you, we will help you. So don't be afraid to reach out. It is a pressure-free chat. Uh, go for it whenever you uh, feel it's needed for your uh, for yourself or for a colleague or family member. For sure, call Savannah and his team. Toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Disabilityrights.ca is the website. And you'll find links to our television show there as well. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. And again, a place for you to ask your questions anytime and get them answered quickly. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.